You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Hallett. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name, of course, Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And for the Edmonton Oilers, the struggles continuing since the last time we spoke on Friday. The Oilers drop a 3-1 game to the Carolina Hurricanes. The return of Ethan Bear, the revenge game, did not go well for the Edmonton Oilers. That makes it four straight games where their offense has only been able to generate two goals or less. Uh, against the Kings, they only score once. Against the Wild, once. They got two against the Bruins, courtesy of Leon Dreisaitl. And then on Saturday night, it did not go well for the Oilers as they fall to the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot about the Edmonton Oilers, the struggles, and and what comes from the struggles, not only you know with the team, but on social media, because if you're a, a fan of Twitter, the Oilers area of that application has gotten pretty negative the last couple of days here. We'll talk about all that and more with Hernan Salas. Of course, he's on TSN 1260, part of the Lowdown with Low Tide. Every day from 10 a.m. until noon, you can get him on the post-game shows. He's got two guys in the goalie, the Locked on Oilers podcast. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan Demand, friend of the show. Hernan, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. A little cold, but uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of getting to that point where the the weather sucks. Like, let's be blunt, it's not ideal. Uh, you're about to head out to uh, to watch some football with uh, Lieutenant Eric down at the Canadian Brew House. Obviously, yeah. we're taping this on a, on a Monday night, so I, I won't keep you too long here. Uh, you go down to the CBH. What is the uh, what's the choice? You know, are you going for drinks? Are you going for food? What are you going to be uh, looking for tonight? I'll probably have some food there. Um, I'm a big wings guy, like uh, mm. extra hot. I also like their like Bruins is just good pub food, right? So, oh yeah. Um, I'm not very picky, so I, I I can't commit to anything right now. I'm gonna wait and see what's there and uh, what I feel like. But right now, I don't know what I'm gonna get at. Yeah, I mean, just free shout out to the Canadian Brew House. Uh, our old promo coordinator here at the station went on to work for the canadian brew house and i i hit her up once i was like hey uh karen uh it's my girlfriend's birthday she loves the chocolate cake would i be able to buy a full one and yeah. uh, she's like yeah for sure show up so i i went there to pick one up and she comped it a free like it was the it's the richest chocolate cake it's so good if you go there um, make sure, Hernan, maybe you should get that tonight. It's like the double chocolate cake. It's unbelievable. But we had so much. I was like pawning it off to everybody because I would have gained about 300 pounds by having that whole cake. Uh, yeah, shout out to the brew house, Hernan. Uh, go have a beer for me once we wrap this one up. But first, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, I mean, the struggles continuing. The offense is dried up. McDavid and Dreisaitl doing what they can, but it, it just hasn't been enough. The slow starts are just continuing uh i mean take me back to saturday night post game show what was the reaction to the oilers loss to the carolina hurricanes yeah it was um obviously fairly negative uh more frustration though not so much like the crazies out there like asking for everyone to get fired or traded and and listen i i get the frustration of the fan base this is a a suffering fan base that went through a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, rough years. So I get why there's a little bit of panic in here in Edmonton with the five-game losing streak. Uh, but I, I, it's, it's, it's just difficult because this team started off so well. Now they're kind of reeling a bit. It almost feels, Connor, like December is always a rough month for the Oilers. <laughs> uh, but they still got a lot of games this month to turn this stuff around. Now they got to get better, and it's unfortunate because it seems like 
everything that could go wrong is going wrong right now for this team at the same time when usually you're dealing with one issue or two but uh, the Oilers are dealing with like four or five at the moment and and uh today at uh there was a bunch of news and all that so it's 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 kind of a wait and see for me. I'm not ready to run Dave Tippett out of town. I know that's a popular take here in Edmonton, and fair enough to those who, who think a move is necessary. But, I mean, if this continues, then I think everything's on the table. But uh, let's see how they perform tomorrow and, and go from there, right, Connor? Like, five games is not ideal. It's not good, especially if you want to be a team that's considered one of the better teams in the league. And, and in fairness, they've... Last two games, I think they've played well. Uh, they ran into two hot goaltenders, and Carolina's just a better team. Uh, let's call it how it is. They were better than Edmonton, and they're better, I think, almost in every facet of the game. So it's, it's some tough games for Edmonton, but you got to find a way sometimes, Connor, and no more excuses for this team. they got to find a way to win. Yeah, absolutely. Won't be easy on a Tuesday night with the Toronto Maple Leafs in town, a team that... You know, playing better hockey started off a little bit slow. They'll be without Mitch Marner, but, you know, Austin Matthews playing great right now. Willie Nylander, uh, is he coming off the hat trick over the weekend? Like, he, he's playing some good hockey as well. Yeah. So it will certainly be a tough uh, task on Tuesday night down at the Ice District. Uh, some news today, Jason Greger reporting, and uh, you kind of touched on it there. Duncan Keith was leading post-practice stretch, usually a sign that the play- player will return to the lineup. Now, he, he's been a very polarizing player in Edmonton, uh, on and off the ice, some of the things he said, but let's just keep keep it on the ice. I mean, you think there's going to be a lot of people kind of like, okay, you know what, don't like the guy, but welcome back to the lineup, Duncan, because I uh, kind of missed you out there. It's not so much, a, it's not so much I think people not liking him, Connor, I think it's just they don't like the contract. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, that's and fair. It, and, it, and, and it's hampering the orders, right, because now they, they really don't have a lot of money to, to improve their team. Kenny Holland would have to get creative, so... I, I think it's good though. Like now you got everybody back. I know Russell's out, but before the injuries, Russell wasn't really a uh, like a, a main guy. He was kind of not playing as much. Cuckoo was playing a lot more than him. So now you got everybody. You got a guy like Marcus Nemelainen who's kind of not come out of nowhere, but he's been kind of impressive and, and brings an element to the orders that uh, a lot of their defensemen don't have, which is um, he can throw some hits and, and and it seems like they hurt. But yeah, Duncan Keith coming back is huge. You can put him back with CC. And then uh, you don't have to play so many young guys. And they started well when Nurse went down. They won a few games. But we all knew that with this makeshift decor that the others were going to have their issues. And the, one of the biggest issues, Connor, is moving the puck out of their zone. And, and, you know, it's good that we got to see some of the young guys and, and, and see them struggle because that just goes to show you that these guys, like especially a Broberg, there's a player there. Like, he looks like he's going to be a good one. But he's just not ready right now. And... I know in the offseason, a lot of um, many Oilers fans were saying, like, Boebert can push for a spot. Well, now you have your answer. Like, it takes time. He's only 20 years old, right? So it, it's good that he got a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> in the uh, in the NHL, and he kind of knows what to expect. He'll go back down eventually and, and play a ton of minutes in the AHL, and that's only going to improve uh, – Philip Broberg. So in that sense, I'm glad we got to see him. There's something there, but I'm glad that the veterans are coming back because this is what this team needs right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on Broberg. Like I, I think it was very cool him for come in, to come up here and, and see what the NHL game is like. And 
Now go back down to the AHL and, and take yeah. what the coaching staff told you. And, you know, you know that communication there. I mean, this guy is highly touted in the organization. They spend a first-round pick on him. So you know there was a conversation with Dave Tippett and, and probably Woodcroft, and, and maybe it's Coach Manson as well. Like, these are the things we want to work on. Um, you know, he's close, but he's got to clean these things up in his game. So it's a great opportunity for him to come up here, see what it's like, live the lifestyle for a bit, fly around in the private jets, stay in the swanky hotels, and then go back to Bakersfield and work on things with the mindset that, hey, I want to get back there and stay there next time. Uh, for the Oilers, uh, you know, some some other things come out of practice today. Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid playing or practicing on the top line with Zach Cassian. I mean, that, that seems to be another one that some people like, some people oppose to it. Uh, whenever I see those two playing together, I'm thinking, if I'm gambling, I can throw a little money down on the uh, the over one and a half points or something because, you know, they seem to make magic together. What do you think of uh, McDavid and Drysaddle on the same line against Toronto? It shows me, Connor, one thing, that Dave Tippett needs that line to win the game. Because if he splits him up, he knows he's not getting a lot from that second line with Nugent and Yamamoto. So it shows me that uh, he's, he's going to go heavy on that one line and hopefully they can score three, four goals and win the game for them. Cassian getting the bump, I, and listen, you, you have to do something, sure. I don't know if Fogel was just a placeholder to see where Hyman is because Hyman is day-to-day and there's a possibility he can play tomorrow. But I, I don't get promoting a guy who's just haven't been very good. Like he's been one of your worst forwards here in this stretch and Zach Cassian. But on the flip side, who the hell else he moved there? You know, a lot of people don't want to see Yamo there and, and Benson, I don't think Tip wants to play in the top six, so there's really not a lot of options. So Cassian is kind of there by default, sure. But and I know a lot of fans are not happy with that move just because of, of promoting a guy that really hasn't played well. Uh, but maybe they find the spark like they did the first goal round when he when he had I think three points in Arizona when he played with McDavid. So who knows, Connor? But uh, I, I, I like you said, like McDavid and Drysaddle played together. It's it's fun to watch, right? It's they create magic, and but I just feel like it's it's becoming a point where you put them together, and you're really not getting anything from your other lines, and you're not. Let's, that's just the reality of it. I think the bottom six hasn't scored like in nine games, Connor. I mean, Fogel hasn't scored in what eighteen, nineteen games. Cassian's gone cold. McLeod's a young guy, so I'm not really expecting him to take the charge there. And your four fine is, I mean, Derek Ryan's falling off a cliff. Sevier hasn't scored yet this season, and then Shore is just coming back from injury, and he's like he's not a skilled guy, obviously, but he hasn't really shown much since he's come back. So I don't know what you do if you're David. <laughs> so I think he thinks putting those guys together gives you the best chance to win because at least they could potentially score you goals where every other line really, even if they're split up, doesn't really score upon them. Is that fair? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, hey guys, uh, if you're not. McDavid, Drysdale, or Cassian, just play good defense, and let's hope that you don't give anything up. I, I mean, there there are some situations I worry about, and I mean, you know, that Tavares, Nylander, Kerfoot line playing good hockey right now. I mean, if they get out there against uh, any line other than the top line, I feel like they have an advantage out there. So that's something to watch out for. You know, had you had McDavid and Drysdale split up. Sure, maybe maybe at that point you can try to neutralize them just a little bit and and try to avoid certain matchups. But I mean, they they have to do something, right? They they weren't winning hockey games. Maybe this is the shakeup they need. Uh, maybe for Pulleyarvi, Pulleyarvi playing with RNH, maybe that helps something. Maybe Fogel getting up to that second line uh, gives him some confidence. I feel like that Benson Yamamoto McLeod line could just be really annoying to play against. Like 
uh, Benson and Yamamoto kind of smaller, but kind of agitating could be. So who knows? Maybe, maybe it all will all work out. Maybe uh, getting Cody Cece and, and Duncan Keith back together will really stabilize the defense core. I guess we'll wait and see what happens on a Tuesday night when the game actually goes down. Uh, Hernan, one thing I tweeted out over the weekend, and it wasn't that I was necessarily ever opposed to this, but I thought that uh, you know having Tyson Berry on the first unit power play was okay. Um, after the last week, I'm shifting. I'm I'm on the bandwagon that I want to see Evan Bouchard on the point on power play one. Uh, I thought Tyson Berry obviously on Thursday had the big turnover and then fell, which was kind of a kind of a gong show. He ended up getting two assists on that uh, power play on the evening. But um, would you be wanting to see? Evan Bouchard get on that first unit power play? Are you opposed to it? How, what do you think about that one? No, definitely not opposed to it, but knowing how Dave Tippett runs his team, he likes his vets. And, and um, I mean, they're still the number one unit. And I, Tyson Berry, it's unfortunate because it seems like when he plays bad defensively, it just affects him completely. Like, he just loses confidence. And he's not really shooting on the power play. He's kind of doing a cleft bomb, just going back and forth, either to or McDavid. So... I mean, anyone, I'm not saying anyone, but Nurse can do that. Bouchard can do that. But you, you need a threat on that point. And Tyson Berry is not giving you that right now. Now, have we seen him do that, Connor? Yes. But I, for some reason, I don't know why him or Nurse won't shoot the puck from the point. Um, they just keep deferring to Dreisaitl or McDavid and looking for that McDavid uh, pass to Dreisaitl and uh, the one-timer. And the teams are catching on. So I'm not opposed to it. I, I like, I'm a Bouchard guy. I think Bouchard's been up and down this year. He's played good in some games. He's struggling. And, again, he's a young defenseman, and we all knew this was going to come. So uh, I'm not surprised that he's had some struggles in a few games here. But, kind of, yeah, I mean, why not just throw him behind Barry then instead of Nurse, right? Like, see, hey, take the last 30 seconds and what you can do for us. But, I just don't see. I just don't see Dave Tippett doing that just because of the way Dave Tippett likes his veteran players. Um, so what can you do? But yeah, I'd, I'd I'd have no issues with Bouchard. I think eventually that's the transition we're going to see. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, Connor. To be honest with you, and that's not saying I don't want it to happen. I'm just being realistic, and I don't think the coach will make that switch. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you just look at his track record, right? And Mike Smith is the one that always stands out to me. That's his guy. He always went with the veteran, trying to get him back on after a poor performance. And hey, I mean, Tyson Berry could turn it around. He he started off slow last year and and really picked it up towards the end. Uh, I just think you know Evan Bouchard. He he just shows that calmness on the blue line, right? And he's not going to force it because he has to. Uh, looks like he's he really has a focus on getting the puck through to the net. And I I don't know. I mean. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue in the units first in the league and, you know, was so dominant in the past, like last year. But, yeah, I don't know. If, if I was looking to make a change up, obviously there's two guys that are the main reason the power play is so good, and I, I think you can make little tweaks around that. Uh, we'll see if it happens. Uh, Mike Smith coming back uh, looks like maybe within the next couple games here he took some reps. Uh, how big of a boost do you think that is, not only for his play, but just as a leader with this team? I think it's good. I, he's obviously more fiery. Um, he's he's a lot more vocal. But, I mean, this guy moves the puck extremely well and gets the orders out of trouble more often than not. Now, does he have his blunders? Of course he does. It happens. But I just think that element of his game helps the orders so much. So, yeah, I'm excited to see him back. I know a lot of people are still on the Koskinen train. For me, Koskinen is what he is, man. Like, he's just – he's going to play good some games and bats and then – 
and be weak in other games. And I'm sick of hearing about, oh, you know, he, he was great, though. But it was 2 nothing with a weak goal. Like, he can be great all he wants, but when you're down and you're letting in a weak one, then it's kind of pointless, right? It's like, well, he held them in there, but he's one of the main reasons they're down. Now, the team hasn't been good in front of him. It's not on him, but the weak goals have been uh, far too often. And it's not just him. Skinner's kind of leaked in the last couple starts as well. I uh, go back to the Seattle game, the first shot on net, 49 seconds in. Like, that's one Skinner has to have. So I don't want to sit here and just be like, oh, hey, it's just Nico um, Koskinen. and him. But, I mean, if Mike Smith's healthy, uh, like, for me, he's their number one Connor. He, he's, he gives them better goaltending. Does he have off games? Of course he does. A lot of guys do. Um, they're not going to play perfect every game. But if, if Koskinen can play less and Smith gets more reps, and he's playing well, then I think that bodes well for the others because Koskinen, when he plays too much, it's weird because everybody's like, Koskinen, when he plays too much, tails off. But then I'm like, but he can't sit out too long because then he's not. <laughs> so I'm like, well, which one is it? Like, geez. Like, so, um, I mean, ideally you'd want him to split kind of evenly and, and they can each give you uh, good efforts week to week. But uh, I'm excited to see Mike Smith. Hopefully, hopefully it's. Um, that nagging injury that he has is, is good and gone here and he can kind of roll with the team because before he got hurt, I mean, I know in the Anaheim game he wasn't very good, but before that he played some solid games. So I'm excited for him. And the main reason being Connor, like I mentioned, is because he can move the puck. He's like another defensive bastard. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just adds such an element knowing what you're going to get with him. Um, I, I mean, and I like what you said about Miko Koskin. Like, we know what he is. Uh, the goal against Carolina Saturday, Nino Niederreiter. I mean, that's just a save you have to make, right? Like, you, you just, yeah. Yeah. your team needs you to make that save and you let it in. It's deflating. Uh, a one nothing lead goes to a, a two nothing lead. And, you know, it's, it's, you're just making things a little bit more complicated. Even in the, the game where you and I did the pre and post game shows together against Vegas, like the Oilers played good. Man, we were praising Miko Koskinen, but he's still yeah. it in a bad goal and it's, it's tough. You nailed it with the team in front of him. Uh, I talked about it before I brought you on, like one goal scored, one goal scored, one goal scored, two goals scored. Like you're, you're probably not going to win too many hockey games when you do that. And, uh, yeah, the Oilers need to find offense outside their big two. Uh, when Mike Smith comes back, what do you do with Stuart Skinner? Yeah, because, you know, again, they're not going to, the way this team is ran by Kenny Holland and, and they, they, they like their old guys. I, I think he just goes back to the AHL. To be honest with you, I, I know that's not the popular take here, but they're not going to send Nico. Like, come on, like, let's be realistic here. Um, would some people like to see that? Yeah. Would I be okay if it was Stuart Skinner and Mike Smith? I'd definitely be okay with that. But it's not going to happen, Connor. I'd be floored. I'd be floored if, if it's not Stuart Skinner. And it's going to be him. I mean, he's just going to get sent down, go play a ton of minutes down there for the Bakersfield Condors. And, and then if, if one of these guys is, is not playing well or there's another injury, he's going to get called up. He's kind of shown already that he can play. In the NHL, he's still fairly raw. He still needs a lot more experience, for sure. But it's like, Connor, there's no way it's Stuart Skinner staying up. There's no way. Yeah. I, mean, I can't see it. I don't know. No, and I, I agree with you. I mean, like, I'm, I'm living in this little dream world here where I'm like, man, imagine if you sent Miko Koskinen down. Uh, Stuart Skinner got to stay up here and work into that backup role. And, um, yeah. But, you know, what's the, what's the huge upside to it? Like, Stuart Skinner hasn't outright stolen that job from him. Uh, you send Miko Koskinen down, you're still paying him, what, $3.5 million against your cap. So you're not, you're not benefiting that much from that. It opens up like an extra million dollars. And if you send him down there, what does that do to the other goalies? Like, I, 
you know, if it's going to be another year of development for one of the Oilers goalies, whether it's uh, kind of all of or Skinner, like, yeah, l- let them go crazy down there. Let them play a bunch of hockey games and, and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because I, we see it at 1260, like when, when Mike Smith comes back and we, uh, send Mikko Koskinen down to the AHL. And like you said, I mean, ideally it'd be, it'd be cool to see, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it's, no, I, I just don't. I, I, and Skinner's two and five, but his numbers are better. Koskin has played him way more, obviously, uh, Connor, but, uh, I just don't see it happening. It's going to be Stuart Skinner, and they're going to roll with, um, they're going to roll with good old, uh, Koskin and Mike Smith here. And then, I mean, trade deadline is going to be interesting to see, because this team still has some holes to fill and improve their team. And is goaltending going to be something they look at? I think they should. Um, not say, I mean, they're 16 and 10, Connor, right now. Uh, the goaltending hasn't been terrible, but as of late, they're giving up that one-week goal a game, and it's costing them. And listen, it's now, what, uh, 17 games this season they've given up the first goal. That's not all in the goaltender. That's the team just not ready to go. So a lot of things have to improve here. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you can score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hernan Salas joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. You can catch Hernan on TSA 1260 at the Lowdown with Low Tide at 10 a.m. till noon. Also locked on Oilers, two guys in the goalie, Oilers postgame show give him a follow on twitter at hernan demand and uh hernan you just brought up a trade deadline which kind of takes me where i want to go next uh right now uh i mean it, it's it's something you see on social media you see it at the text line at 10 12 60 people always coming in with trade proposals i know uh Strutty, our good friend had jeff carter as a guy that he had liked a third line center potentially oh I won't ask you to name names specifically but if you're ken holland is there a position group you're looking to add to well, I think everywhere. I think defensively, you can do an upgrade, uh, especially if one of your right shot defensemen go down. I think you need another player in your top nine. Now, that might be Dylan Holloway if he can come in and impress and solidify one of those spots. That might be that might be like a, a deadline transaction, but it's just a guy in your organization coming up. Um, but if if, if 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 that doesn't work out right away, then I think you have to upgrade your top nine for sure. And uh, goaltending. So I think every position you can upgrade. I don't think it's realistic they'll get all three. Uh, maybe they get one. Uh, if they're lucky, they get two. If Kenny Holland can work some magic, move some money around and some dollars around. But the, in order to do that, they might have to give up a good prospect like Samarukov. I know me and the low tide were talking about that. And, uh, I mean, to get quality, sometimes you got to give quality. And uh, the Oilers have a few defensemen that uh, could – could get you a quality player. So if you have to do that, I, I think you have. I think it's a must because the Oilers have to start winning now, Connor. 
Like, uh, every year that passes with, with Connor and Drysdale being ousted in the first round, I mean, it's not good. So you need to start winning now. You need to improve your team. And uh, if it costs you Samarukov as much as I don't want it to, and I'm just throwing that name out there. I'm not saying he's being rumored or anything, but it's that's what's going. That's what Kenny Holland's going to have to do. And people might not like it because of the Ethan Bear trade and you gave up on a young defenseman. Sure, I get it. I truly get why other fans didn't like that move. But can can he stand pat at the deadline? I highly doubt it because that's not that's not going to cut it here. Because so far the depth here in Edmonton, which started well, has tailed off completely, and it's kind of a theme we've seen here in the last three years. Would you be willing to trade away the first round pick in the draft? Yeah, I would. It depends, though. Like you're not obviously bringing a player with with an uh, uh, expiring contract. Um, you probably want a guy that's somewhat, uh, somewhat like uh, young. You know what I mean? Maybe mid twenties, but a guy that's going to make an impact on your team. I think that's the kind of player you need if you're giving up a first round pick. I know people were like, well, let's trade our first for Ben Sherrod. I'm like, see, that's what I wouldn't do. Like, I think Ben Sherrod on Edmonton comes in. He's probably your four or five, and you're going to give up a first for that. So, for me, it's now, uh, it's got to be a little bit better than that. Now, it, depending on where the order's finished, we're all assuming they're going to be a playoff team. It's not going to be a high pick, a top 10 pick, obviously, Connor, but I think you have to, uh, you have to be smart with it. You should play it. It should be in play because it can improve your team, but don't give it up for, for guys that are going to walk after the year, right? Yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, Ben Sherrod, I, it's an interesting name. I think a lot of people saw what he did last year in the playoffs, obviously, and, and like what he does. Uh, unrestricted free agent. Uh, what is it? A modified no-trade clause, so he'd have to be willing to come here. You'd think he would, but maybe there's other teams he'd rather go to if he were to be traded, and the way things are going in Montreal, that would be interesting. Uh I'm going to throw a few names out there, and you just tell me, are, are any of these guys on your no-trade list? Like, there's no chance you're going to get rid of them. Uh, Xavier Borgo, Dylan Holloway, Raphael Lavoie, Broberg, and let's say Ryan McLeod. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know about Borgo, Holloway. I wouldn't want to move them. I think Holloway would get you a very good player, but you really want to give up on a guy that hasn't played yet for you and, and by 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 many of the experts uh this guy's going to be a player so no uh broberg no and uh who's the last one? Oh, mcleod uh i like mcleod i mean i i think he'd have to be in a package deal to to make it work because i don't think like he's that high on many people's list um he's still fairly raw so I, maybe McLeod, but Burgo, you know, he's going to the World Juniors. He's played really well uh, this season. He's just knocking it out of the park, right? So, but Connor, like, I, I mean, if you're improving your team significantly by involving one of these guys, I would be, I mean, I don't think I'd be too upset. Like, I mean, Holloway and Broberg are probably no-no for me. The other ones, I would consider depending on what the return is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Like, I, I agree with Dylan Holloway, and that would take me to my next question with you. Like, uh, there's a lot of people saying when he gets back here, he could potentially be that guy to jump up to the NHL. I know Craig Button is a huge fan of his. Um, I, I mean, I, I to be totally honest with you, I saw the highlights with him at Wisconsin, saw the World Juniors. I like him. I, I would love to see him in Bakersfield first. But how big of an impact do you think he could have? And, and what is fair expectations? Like, I, I hear some people say, yeah, throw him in the top six. But, I mean, is that realistic for a guy who would be playing pro hockey kind of still, well, just to be still relatively new to it? 
Yeah, it's hard to say because I'll be honest, Connor, I haven't seen him play much. Like, I wasn't watching uh, Wisconsin games. I mean, you read reviews, you follow people on Twitter that, that cover this guy. He took an enormous leap. He went from 17 points to 35 in his last year in Wisconsin. He hasn't played a pro game. Uh, he, like he's not even a, he hasn't even have a, a game played in the AHL. He's 20 years old, so I, I, I get the excitement because this kid seems like he has that pedigree, like he can just step in and, and make an impact. And yeah, I don't know if it's top six, possibly top nine, but I mean, I, I think he's going to get a look, and they'll go from there. If he looks like he's ready and he can uh, make a difference for this team, then they'll keep him. If not, there's no harm in sending him back down. But I. Fans here, and, and <laughs> we're obsessed with with putting young guys in the lineup here in Edmonton, I, and, and, and so it like I get the excitement, and I want to see him too, Connor, and I hope it works out. But I'm not going to be too upset or shocked if it doesn't, and he gets sent back down, and then next year he's ready to go, or the year after, who knows? Because we really don't know. Uh, so, I mean, is it a little unfair for him to think that this guy everybody wants him in? I think it is, and I think we should really pump the brakes on their expectations. If, if let's, let's go on with lower expectation. If he knocks it out of the park, then we're all happy, right? Oh, yeah. High hopes, low expectations. Uh, you'll be happy either way. Um, I, I remember going back to, like, I don't even know, maybe it was 2020 before the draft and thinking, you know, it's so nice that Ken Holland is here. He's not going to rush anybody. Uh, you know, Philip Roberg, Dylan Holloway, we won't see them for a couple of years. And then, you know, flash forward like six months after Dylan Holloway was drafted, people were like, this kid's good. Like, he, he could be a player. Watch out for him. So uh, definitely nice to see, considering I, you know, in the back of my mind was thinking, probably don't see him uh, for a couple of years here. Uh, Hernan, uh, the next couple of games for the Edmonton Oilers, Obviously very important. you got the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday, then Columbus, and then after that, you've got a stretch of a lot of Pacific Divisional matchups. you got Seattle, Anaheim, Kings, Sharks, uh, the Calgary Flames going to after Christmas. Like This is a very important stretch for the Edmonton Oilers. How do you think they turn it around, and, and not just against Toronto and Columbus, but then those next games against the Pacific Division? Well, they're going to need depth scoring. They're going to have to be better 5-5. Five five. I think the power play is going to get hot again. The PK is leaking a bit. They've given up a goal, I think, in uh, every game this hometown outside of that Boston one. But, yeah, so they got to get that cleaned up as well. But I think it's 5-on-5, five five, Connor. Like, this team's not scoring. They're not getting anything from a lot of their forwards. Uh, Yamamoto, I think Yaremchuk had it today, where in his last five games, playing mostly with dry titles, he has zero shots. Like, that is remarkable. Like, that blows my mind. So, and, and Yamamoto, for me, has been good. He's a good PK guy. He's a good two-way guy. But when you're playing with dry slider, you got to produce. you got to produce more than he is. So, I think this team, there's many issues. I mean, goaltending needs to be better. You're getting healthy. But at the same time, I think you have to, uh, I think it's 5-on-5. Five five. They have to improve in that aspect. So, I'll go with that if they want to turn this around. And uh, Hernan, before I let you go, head down to the brew house and have a bunch of fun tonight. Uh, I want to ask you about the World Juniors. Obviously, the Edmonton Oil Kings will be very well represented. Four players on Team Canada. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Jig Neighbors is going to really uh, put his name out there for the Canadian hockey fans. But uh, Xavier Borgo, Oilers' first round pick, also be there, maybe in a, in a third line role. Just how excited are you for the World Juniors as we're about two weeks away? Yeah, I, I I think I said it before. I'm not the biggest World Junior fan. I I watch it. I like I I, I like watching the like the semis and and all that. Like when it gets down to business, right? Because 
sometimes in the round robin, kind of to play some weak teams, and you just know the outcome. It's going to be like 8-1 or whatever, and it's like, yeah, okay, I'll watch. But like you said, there's a rooting interest now because I, I like watching when there's Oiler prospects. So Xavier Bourg goes there, and then there's four old teams. So I, I think that's for that reason I'll be a little more invested in this one. Of course, I always watch it, but it's not something that, like, you know, like if they're playing uh, one of the weaker teams, like if I miss it, I'm like, I'll just catch the highlights because you kind of know what's going to happen, right? But I love that Finland, Sweden, the U.S., Russia, they're all game now, right? They're all pretty even with Canada. So when those games are on against Canada, I, I'll definitely tune in. And it's, it's great. It's a great tradition. It's, uh, you know, between Christmas and, and, and then you're getting ready for the New Year. So it's always fun to have it on and, and check out the talent. And like I said, with, with uh, an Oiler being there, and for Oil Kings, I'll definitely be watching a lot more. Do you have a favorite World Junior moment involving the Oilers? Like, you know, PRV or Poyarvi, sorry. I saw I saw people talking about pronunciations on uh, Twitter today, so I really want to make sure I get four uh, syllables when I say Poyarvi, just for uh, Guy Flaming specifically. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he was on the Oilers, though, when he lit it up with Line A. Connor McDavid was outstanding, not quite with the Oilers, but was there any Oiler that stood out to you at the World Juniors? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not even going to say Jordan Eberle? Oh, uh, well, uh, sorry. I thought that's, no, yeah, like Jordan Eberle's like the biggest. I, I don't even think for Oilers. I just think for Canada, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like the way that game was, was tied and then they go on to win it. Like it's like Jordan Eberle was, was, was awesome. And I, and I, like, we've done a lot of shows, Connor, where people are asking world junior moments and it's always Eberle. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it was just so clutch, right? Yeah. You could get, well, not an oiler, but obviously Jonathan Taves in the shootout that one year when he went like yeah. five times, just lit it up. Uh, I, I can't say like, I don't get too amped up. I know some people just love this event more than anything. I watch it. Yeah. I enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, maybe I'm not quite as high as it on uh, some other people. Hernan, go watch Monday Night Football. Uh, Rams, Cardinals should be a good one down at the CBH. Uh, Eric's there. I think Mondays and Thursdays if you're looking to go hang out with Lieutenant Eric. Thanks so much for doing this today. Yeah, no worries, buddy. Anytime. There you go. That is Hernan Salas of TSN 1260. You can catch him Monday through Friday on the Lowdown with Low Tide alongside Alan Mitchell. They get going at 10 a.m. until noon. He's also got the Locked On Oilers podcast, Two Guys and the Goalie. He's on the Don Wheaton GM postgame show on TSN 1260 alongside Tom Gazzola. And you can give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan Demand. And you know what? That's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network for the Edmonton Oilers in action Tuesday night, taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs, 7 o'clock puck drop. If you're looking for some pregame coverage, you can tune into TSN 1260 starting at 6 o'clock. Tom Gazzola, former NHLer Matt Cassian, and myself at 6 o'clock. We'll do that again on Thursday when the Oilers take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then it gets serious in the Pacific Division. The Oilers' opponents after that, starting on Saturday, you got the Kraken, the Ducks, the Kings, the Sharks, and then the Calgary Flames. An absolutely massive five-game swing for the Edmonton Oilers. If they... If they want to rebound and come back from the recent struggles and they can have some success in those five games, win four, that would be absolutely massive. We'll see what happens. Uh, still a ways away. Like I said, uh, the Kraken game is on Saturday. We'll be back on Friday with a new episode of the show. We'll preview that big swing and uh, much, much more again. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show today. Big thank you to Hernan Salas of TSN 1260 and our sponsors, DraftKings, the Hockey Podcast Network. If you are going to sign up with DraftKings, make sure to use promo code THPN. A whole lot of fun with Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Connor Halley. This is the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.
Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.